so I've just been away on a few days retreat, which is always good because uh, ever since our wonderful live stream started, we've been fairly busy here and with masses and adorations and things. So uh, it was good to get a bit of a recharge. Um, over my couple of days off, I met uh, my nephews up in Dublin, my nieces and nephews up in Dublin. And it's very interesting. I, I do learn a lot from children. Um, maybe I'm a big child myself, so I, I feel I can relate to them. But I was watching how we were playing football in the front yard, right? And so my little nephew, James, whenever the ball would go out of, out of bounds, whenever it would hit the wall, right, he would, he would catch the ball. Rather than just kind of kicking it in from the ground, he would always kick it in from his hands, right? Now, as the adult there, I could see there was a problem with this because little James, who's yay high, and he's foa, which is four in English, he's four. Uh, he would, like, like little children when they play football, they, they just run after the ball. Wherever the ball is, they just, you know, the, whole, the, the whole team runs where the, wherever the ball is. So when his slightly older brother was kicking in the ball, he'd run right up to the ball. Now what's going to happen if you're kicking the ball from your hands and there's a four-year-old in front of you? What's going to happen? I mean, you can just see it. You can see it. Right? You can see it before it's going to happen. So I kept saying, kept telling him, Matthew, kick the ball from the ground kick it from the ground, and then it'll stay on the ground. If you kick it from your hands, it'll go airborne, and it's going to hit James in the face. That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. And he said, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And every time he kick it from the side, from his hands, Matthew, from the ground, from the ground, from the ground. And lo and behold, anyway, the ball goes out of bounds, he kicks it from his hands, and James runs over, straight in the face. <laughs> I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to. I told you 20 times, at least, from the ground, right? I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to. And it just struck me how it's very interesting how we as adults do kind of similar things, right? If we make, we may have good intentions or the, 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 the overall intention might be a good thing, but the individual steps to get to that intention might not be. It was very interesting when we were like studying the catechism and we came across a section that deals with morality. How do we make decisions as Catholics? How do you make a decision? And I was just astounded by how simply it was explained and how that simple process is relatively unknown, okay? So today, generally speaking, in the world, what's, what are the criteria that we use to make a good decision? Well, feelings. If it feels good, it's probably good. If it feels good, do it. If it doesn't feel good, then, then, then it's bad, right? That's generally in primary school, from primary school up, that, that's how they're taught. If, if it feels good, then it's okay, and if it feels bad, then, then just say no. Um, now, again, it, that works in some areas, but really not in others. And it, as an overall criteria for deciding what's good and what's bad, that's a shocking criteria. It's, it, it, it's, it's completely fallacious, like it, it's, it's got holes all over it. It doesn't work in reality, okay? Why not? Well, you think of anything worthwhile, you think of any sports team, Think of our dear English and Italian football players now, you know, training hard and all that kind of thing for their final tonight. You know, they didn't get there by doing what was just comfortable or what was nice. So, I mean, they had to train hard and work hard and fitness training and hot cold training and weight training and, fit and diet and all this kind of thing. Even the Italians had to stop smoking, right? It's not easy, guys, okay? So, uh, so the intention is good, they want to win. But what they have to do to get there is actually quite uncomfortable. It's actually quite difficult. Now, one team will win. It's hard. It's hard going, but the goal will be worth it. It's hard going, but the, but the, the, the end result will be worth it. 
So what does the catechism say about making a decision? Is it just based on feelings? Well, no, it's based on three things. Number one, what's called the object, so the, the act itself. All right, we'll look at that in a second. Secondly is the intention. What did you actually intend on doing? And thirdly, the circumstances. Okay, so for example, it's generally not a good idea to knife someone. You know, sticking a knife into someone objectively is bad. Unless, of course, you're a surgeon. Then it can be good. But if you're a surgeon trying to get back at your wife's boyfriend, then the intention is bad. Okay? And the circumstances, well, again, if it's on a surgery table, that's okay. If it's in a bar, then it's not. Okay, so like all three circumstances, all three aspects, criteria are important. The object, knifing someone, <laughs> right, in the con with the intention of removing a cancerous tumor, in the circumstances of an operating theater, perfect. Okay, but all three criteria are important. The intention on its own is not enough. That's my point. The intention on its own is not enough. Why? Because we all have the intention of, of being happy. I want to be happy. In order to do so, you know, I just I look at my wife and she's not the same woman that she once was, and there's Fifi in the office. She's 25 years of age, straight out of UCC, you know what I mean? And she's really kind of impressed at how I know how the photocopier works, and I can photocopy on both sides. So she's always kind of asking me for you know help and sure, Fifi, no problem. Um, so I just I feel I'd be be happier with Fifi somehow, you know. So that's ultimately that's my intention, you know, to be happy. So the little compromises, little moral compromises I make on the way are all, are all fine because, because I want to be happy, which is a good thing. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. Your intention to be happy, yeah, that's, that's a good thing. But the steps on, along the way I have to be coherent with, with the, the overall picture, which is what? Well, for us, all Christians, is heaven. That's our ultimate goal. So anything that, that compromises us getting to heaven will be wrong. If I risk heaven by anything I do now, that's going to be wrong. Right? So even like, as I say, like the, the object, intention, and circumstances. These are the, the three things that we have to keep in mind before we make a moral decision. Object, intention, and circumstances. Why do I say that? Today's reading, today's first reading. Um, there's a bit of history here that, the, without which the reading won't make a lot of sense. But... So Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, says to Amos, go away, we don't want to see you in the land here anymore, we don't want to hear your prophesying, you're beginning to irritate us. Okay, sorry, who is he, who, what's going on here? Okay, try and make it as simple as possible, okay. So, there were 12 tribes of Israel, 12 tribes, they all had different parts of the Holy Land, okay. Uh, King Solomon had a son called Rehoboam, Rehoboam was an absolute ape, that says so in the Bible, absolute ape. He, he said, oh, you think my dad was hard on you? My dad's loins are only as big as my little finger. I will crush you. You, 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 you felt that you were weighed down by my dad? I will weigh you down a hundred times more. Okay? So he wasn't very popular uh, down. So what then? The northern ten tribes said, look, we've enough of you. We're breaking with, with you and the, the, so the two tribes of the south. And so then it then broke into the land of Judah and the land of Israel. Okay, so the kingdom was, was split. Now, the leader of the northern ten tribes, his name is Jeroboam. All right, Jeroboam said, okay, we, we want nothing to do anymore with Rehoboam and all of his Egyptry down there. So we'll, we'll start our own place. But part of being a Jew 
What made you a Jew was circumcision. What kept you a Jew was temple worship. Temple. Now, just a small bit of biblical history as well. You see, we can go to Mass in anywhere there's a church. So, if, you know, if you're in Italy, if you're in Germany, anywhere there's a church, you can go to Mass. If you're a Jew, the only place on the face of the planet where you could offer sacrifice was the temple in Jerusalem. Synagogues weren't for offering sacrifice. They were just for preaching and teaching. The only place where you could kind of go to Mass, if you will, uh, in Jewish terms, was the temple in Jerusalem. The only place. So now you have all these ten northern tribes still going down to Jerusalem for the feast. And then Jeroboam says, no, I don't like this, because if they go down, they might try and reunite the place, and we don't want to be reunited with them. So we'll build our own temples. And they built two, one in Dan and one in Bethel, the place mentioned today. Okay? And they were uh, altars of golden calves. Of all the stupid things to build altars on. I mean, surely golden calf, like... Where did we hear golden calf in the Bible before? I can't quite put my finger on it. Like a golden calf, of all things, not to do. Okay. So they had two altars up in the north that were basically heretical altars. They were not what God wanted. That was not how God wanted them to worship. And now one of the, the priests of one of those altars, Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, says to Amos, go away with all of your preaching and teaching. Because Amos had just told him, basically, God is unhappy with this temple, with the way you're worshipping. This is not what he wants. And the ten tribes of the north will be destroyed. So, Jeroboam had a kind of a good intention, right? Ish. Uh, looking at, at how things were in the south, he said, look, that's, that's unacceptable. The leadership of Rehoboam is unacceptable, so we'll break. Kind of a good intention, more or less. But then in order to do so, we'll also break with God's law. We'll also break with how God wants us to live. Now, now you've overstepped the line. Good intention is not enough. Good intention is not enough. What's the expression? The road to... Perdition is paved with good intentions. It's not enough to have a good intention. We have to do good acts at the right time with the good intention. If you look at how how abortion is justified, for example, it's all justified just by the intention. I want to be happy. You know, I'm I'm too young or it didn't happen the the way... uh, There can be all sorts of tragic, horrific circumstances, absolutely. But the way it's justified is then, I I want to be happy. I don't want this, this, this burden or this fear... And so I, I need an abortion. It's just intention. That's all that's looked at. Not that there could be other circumstances. There could be adoption is, is a possibility. There's so many families who can't have kids who would love to adopt a child. Why can't we find a solution in the 21st century? Why can't we find another solution? So if we look at intention on its own, you end up in a world of problems. Whereas, as I say, our faith teaches us to look at the object, the intention, and the circumstances. And the overall picture which is, of course, getting to heaven. Not just being happy here. Because happiness here will come and go. But to look at heaven. Is is what I'm doing? Is this decision? Is this going to help me get to heaven? Is this going to help me be united with God for all eternity? Or not? Because everything else will pass. Everything else will pass. So we ask the good Lord today to help us to realize the importance of every simple action also the like the, the innocuous things the harmless things the simple things of of serving cleaning picking someone up deli- bringing kids here there and everywhere to training and all these things that we can do out of love all of these actions that we can we can do to turn our day into something actually really meaningful even if no one knows because if every action is done out of love for god then every action helps us get to heaven 
and our day can be transformed into a constant prayer, into a constant unity with the God who loves us so much that he will give himself for us on a cross. So may the good Lord teach us how to live every day out of love for him. Amen.